Uh, okay. Hello. <laughs> this is Clem Bianchi. I'm a courier, delivering mail in space, one package at a time. If you're hearing this message, I need some help. I'm trying to deliver a package to a guy on Pluto. Says his name is Gorge Flummox. If anyone knows a Gorge Flummox on Pluto, please let him know I've been trying to reach him about his box of Lunarian cheese. I know the box is full of cheese because for the last few weeks, I've started hearing things when I touch my cargo. When I pick up a letter or a package, I hear conversations and sometimes even see things tied to whoever the mail is for or from. I call it the letter opener. It's yanked me into some real situations. A haunted house, a pizza delivery drag race, and even a revolution to take a city back from the bigwigs who keep its hoverboard sports engine humming. You can hear all about it on Additional Postage Required, a bi-weekly audio drama on the Moonshot Podcast Network, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Anyway, if you know Gorge, please tell him to give me a call. I think his cheese is starting to move around in the box. Hi everyone, I'm Andrew. I'm Marn. And this is the Freddy Dog Spook'em Up. Uh, after being cryogenically frozen for almost 500 years, it's <laughs> time for this show to emerge. Oh man, yeah, This so we said at Extra Life, Hextra Life, that if we hit a certain dollar amount, we would watch Friday the 13th, the original... And then talk about it. And then if we hit a, a different dollar amount, we would watch Jason X and talk about it. And we hit both of those dollar amounts. So here we are. I love uh, one of the things that we get pitched on the podcast minds uh, often is like, do a rewatch podcast, but only watch the first and last episode of a show. Yeah. And, and <laughs> this feels like that for uh, Friday the 13th. Yeah, we did kind of do that. I guess, I mean, we could have done, like, the first one and skipped straight to, like, the remake or Freddy vs. Jason, but technically Jason X is the, is the last, like, pure Jason movie. Yeah, I, um, yeah, what do you say we just get into them, I guess, because I don't have a lot of, uh, pretense for these, except that we, neither of these movies, I think that, like, the the idea behind this show is that you are forcing me to watch horror movies so that I get more immersed in them and in the genre. Yeah. And I I've now watched two Friday the 13th franchise films. Uh-huh. And I don't think that I understand them. Like I I, I think that that we've the franchise exists between like 3 through 7 and we watched the two weird outsider movies. So, yeah, I had never seen either of these either, and I think I agree with you. <laughs> it it feels like I'm trying to understand uh, The Fast and the Furious, so I watched the original and then Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm... Uh, to get into the movies themselves, we started with Friday the 13th, which is a movie in which... None of the things that people like about the Friday the Fran the 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 Friday the Franchinth the Friday the Thirteenth franchise exist. Yes, because there's um. no there's no chase. <laughs> I I I knew going into the movie. I I knew the twist is that 
at the end of the movie, it's revealed that the killer is Jason Voorhees' mother. Yes. I just always assumed that people assumed that Jason was involved throughout the whole movie. And we saw the Jason mask and there was a figure killing people that turned out to actually be the mother in like a reverse psycho scenario. I also thought that and then I found out after watching the movie that he does not appear in like the actual hockey mask until I think the third one. Yeah, I think that we should have we should have watched Friday the 13th 3 apparently. <laughs> that's that's when we get into the Friday the 13th experience because in 2 so yeah, <laughs> this movie is weird. It is just a bunch of teens are at a, a summer camp that they're trying to to get back off the ground again, and people start picking them off at camp slasher movie style, right? Yes. Uh, but there's no... I don't know. I assumed that we were going to learn the legend of Jason Voorhees like 20 minutes into the film, you know? I also thought that. It was kind of weird that they saved that for the end. Yeah, this woman shows up. You learn that her name is Pam Voorhees before you ever hear the name Jason Voorhees. Yeah, and like for someone who knows spoilers, because we're in 2023, like yeah. you're like, oh, okay, I get it now. Yeah, I, I it was, I don't know. I, I, I always uh, knew Jason as a cultural artifact, but he, I guess I never really understood. J Jason always seemed a bit. Uh, generic to me when I was yeah. looking at like horror movie there's like the iconic horror movie villains you've got um now I can't think of any other names because I was trying to say them out loud but you've got you got Ghostface who I know from he makes phone calls and he gets his ass kicked a lot um you've got uh Freddy Freddy Krueger who's like taunts you and is in your dreams and is like a little a little gremlin man right yes um with knife hands you got uh -huh. Michael Myers, who, like, is silent and stocky and follows you around and gets you eventually. He's a, He doesn't chase you. He's a, he's a persistence predator, you know? Mm-hmm. Jason has a hockey mask. <laughs> yeah. And that's about as much as I've always known about this character. Yeah, I, I mean, he's very much like the, like, strong silent guy who chases you around but he like he does very much have like two distinguishing traits and it's that he has a hockey mask and a machete i didn't realize the machete i guess he does go for his machete in the last movie in jason hex uh he throws away a space machete to pick up a regular machete um but i i really thought that like there are a couple things about the jason character that have always just felt like generic mainstays of the genre to me. Yes. Like, yeah. oh, he's got a weapon? Cool. He's a slasher. They all have a weapon. Um, you know, leather, leather, leatherhead, leatherface, the ch he yeah. has a chainsaw. Like, they they've all got their thing. I get that. But then it seems like uh the real thing about Jason is that he's just like uh murderous <laughs> murderous tradcath, <laughs> like horror yeah. man i feel see i feel like some of that is because this was a very early slasher movie and like you know it, it, it's like we could say that like he's not very 
original in terms of slasher movies, but, like, this was a very, very early slasher movie, and it's like, okay, guy with a knife, really all you need. Yeah, I, and and to be fair, he's not in, well, he, he is in this movie for a brief second at the end, but he's not in this movie, so uh, it's weird to have him as a sticking point right now. Um, but yeah, I... This movie was really uh, weird, and I don't have a lot to say about it because it was really boring and slow. It is. It is shockingly slow. I um. This is very interesting to me because I watched uh, Fear Street nineteen seventy nine, nineteen seventy eight, whichever one it is, uh, earlier in the week because we're talking about the Fear Street movies on uh, Dead Teen House Party right now. Um, those episodes will not be out by the time this episode has come out, uh, but, uh, look forward to those. Um, and that movie is, like, that movie was made in 2021, but it is, like, a 70, like, late 70s camp horror movie, and it's very interesting to see, like, what that takes away from like the camp horror movies like Friday the 13th that were actually made in like the late 70s early 80s mm-hmm. and like what it adds on to like make itself kind of like more distinct and interesting I I said to Alyssa like I turned to her halfway through this movie and I was like isn't it funny that like a bunch of like slashers and horror movies were just like set in the late 70s early 80s just like by virtue of being filmed then, and, like, we're still making slashers set in the late 70s, early 80s, because that, like, aesthetic has become very important to, like, horror. Huh. You know, I hadn't really thought about it that way. I did have a feeling watching, um, watching Jason X, where, and I guess, I guess I was thinking about this during the first one, too, uh, but, like, it, it feels very... Saying period PC feels dumb to say, but like yeah. it does feel very lived in in the seventies, and I think that um, I think part of it is just like you're trying to set up your characters as being like mm-hmm. young, hip, and of the time, and so you have people acting very like you know we're cool, we are in the seventies, we are seventies teens. And and that's just like a, a natural choice. I think nowadays you get horror movies where people set up where it's like, I think people kind of roll their eyes and cringe a bit because they're just like, oh, I'm a podcaster in the Halloween remake. <laughs> but it's also like, well, you need to set the people here and in the now so that yeah. it's the people of the here and in the now that the person is going after. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't just have all of them be a throwback character in a weird way. Um <laughs> Does does that does that make sense? I feel no, yeah, I feel that, like that makes sense. Every watching this movie, it was hard for me to get a grasp on the kids' ages because um, they all look like photos of my parents in the eighties, right? Like they look yeah. like old school photos of them. So uh-huh. like at the time, I was just like, I can't tell if these actors look like they're thirty, even though they're playing like nineteen year olds, uh-huh. or if they just are actors that are 30 playing 19 year like i can't tell if it's that or if it's just it's what i associate with like older people is this style of clothing and dress and making it seem so it it feels dated and like a period piece but i never thought about the fact that it we still lean on those aesthetics as a horror movie trope as it's a camp in the 80s not it's a camp whenever you are yeah exactly like they like 
this movie was kind of set in the in the late seventies by necessity because that's when they filmed it. Right. It, like, yeah. It's not. It's it's set today. Like yeah. It is set air quotes today, not at a camp in the seventies. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But like because it became so iconic, like that became the thing that people tried to emulate. I don't know it's, it's it's very interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, I've seen um what is that horror movie? There's like a horror movie parody type deal where they get sucked into the movie. Uh Final Girls. I love yeah, I've seen Final Girls where the main character is like the daughter of an actor who was in, you know, mm-hmm. the original Friday the 13th or whatever their equivalent was. Yeah. And she gets sucked into the movie and like meets her mom, her mom's character basically as an actress. And um there is yeah there's a bit of like oh if we're gonna tell these stories we have to go back in time uh i i feel like you could make like summer camp still exist like i feel like you could make kids go to camp and get slashered today like that's a that's a reasonable storyline that you could incorporate and it's weird that people don't i agree i mean i feel like there have been some right surely I Hold I can't th- like I I know that I mean there are there are you know modern set slashers like uh, yeah uh, I, well there was X a- came out last year which not at camp but like that has kind of the same we're out in the woods and something's slashing us aesthetics yeah there was a they slashed them which I heard was not very good <laughs> mm, yeah was Kevin Bacon also in that movie am I remember yes. right yep. <laughs> Okay, I did think if you made a remake of the movie today, you could have Kevin Bacon play the uh, camp counselor figure because he'd be the only legacy actor who like still has a career, from what I can tell. Yeah. Um, also, Kevin Bacon was in this movie. I, I didn't realize yeah. that until almost right before he died. I was like, wait a minute, is this guy Kevin Bacon? And then an arrow popped out of his chest. <laughs> like... I was like, hold on a second. <laughs> Kevin. I I I like also didn't realize that until you messaged me. It was like Kevin Bacon is in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised he didn't try to teach the uh camp how to dance. Oh my god. <laughs> was it oh was this before or after he was in Footloose? Hold on. This was the movie is nineteen eighty. Uh, okay, so this is four years before Footloose. Yeah. His first film was Animal House in 1978. I also wow. didn't know he was in there. I Damn. also didn't know that either. I mean, I guess this is why there's the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, because he's in so many random movies yeah. that, like, <laughs> you can place him. Yeah. But, like, damn, I didn't realize it went back that far. Yeah, that's wild. Um, Did you know about the jump scare at the end of this movie? I did not. I had no idea that uh, that was that was the first part of the movie that I truly enjoyed. Um, I, I ultimately I found that this movie was pretty boring, pretty slow. Yeah. Um, the movie as it plays out is I, just as an overview for the audience. Uh, kids are at camp. They start getting picked off one by one, starting with like a hitchhiker who we never see the driver of the car that picks her up. Um, and then we get to like. Uh, just at the camp, they do a neat thing throughout the movie where the camera is the killer at certain yes. points. It's very, um, like giallo inspired, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. I liked that 
there were a lot of points where you, because they had this like kind of voyeuristic handheld camera almost uh-huh. playing the killer, there were a lot of scenes where like you didn't know if you were, you know, you as the viewer, quote unquote, were the killer at that moment. And so you'd see a character doing a thing on screen and it's a handheld shot. So the camera angles getting into like, shots that you only get if you are a person holding a camera right like that handheld point of view and then like the character kind of comes toward you and there becomes the question in my head of like am i the killer right now and is this person about to get got or am Mm -hmm. i just watching and i thought that was actually pretty cool yeah i like that a lot um they kind of superseded it i didn't realize that the like like the sound effect. Yeah. I've known I've known that. I didn't know that was Friday the thirteenth. Oh really? Interesting. I, I I knew it was a thing. I still don't know why it's a thing, but I, I I knew that it was a horror movie thing. I just didn't realize it was this one. Yeah. Um but yeah, the kids start getting got in different places. Uh kids go have sex, uh they get stabbed. Um the movie's explicitly like, no, I'm killing people because they're having sex because two teens had sex instead of watching my kid Jason who drowned um, is like the, which is pretty good, pretty good uh, 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 like backstory for a kid. I think that that works, you know, Um, it's weird that it, it it puts a weirdness into the later installments, which I'll get to in a second, but like, yes, um, so people start getting got, it's very weird in this movie that normally you start noticing people are going missing or you start finding bodies uh-huh. and that leads to the terror. In this movie, nobody knows that people are dying until she's the final girl. Yeah, I also thought that that was kind of wild. Yeah, there's like two plots happening at the same time, which is like someone is silently going through like this is a hitman level and taking out NPCs as they separate from the group. But then also like the other subplot is just like Alice is playing strip monopoly. Uh huh. <laughs> like everyone is having a good time. Everyone's having a good time until they die. And there's never like there's very little that gets in the way of that until uh-huh. it does, you know? Yeah. Um. And they're also, a lot of deaths, they're not off camera, but they're like, we cut as the death happens. Um, there are a, There's a couple, like, you, you see uh, Marcy, I think her name was, like, with an axe in her head. And you see, yeah. um, you, you, like, pan up as the couple, as Kevin Bacon is having sex with Marcy, you, like, pan up to the bed above where the guy's corpse is that got got, which is a pretty cool cut yeah. away. Um, but you... You a lot of these deaths happen like off camera, which I guess happen or like not off. It's not off camera because the camera does it and then immediately cuts away as the guy gets uh-huh. got, uh, which sets up like Alice runs through a fucking fun house of bodies in the end, yeah. that just like start popping out of trees. And she opens a door and there's a guy with arrows in him, and that's actually really funny. Um, but yeah, like nobody nobody knows that people are going missing until like the very end of the movie, which is really weird. It is really weird. And like, I, I think that it does set up that fun moment where she's like running through and like discovering all the bodies. But it also means that no one is fearing for their lives until like the last 20 minutes of the movie. 
exactly. It the movie is just a bunch of people going like, "Huh, that's weird," and then getting got. <laughs> They're just like, "What was that noise?" Not yeah. is that noise going to kill me? And I guess there's a there's a dramatic irony in the audience knowing like, "Uh oh, the noise gets you." Um, you know, don't go in there because yeah. that's probably the hitchhiker or a uh, crazy Ralph or whatever. I love Crazy Ralph. Crazy Ralph's great. <laughs> crazy Ralph is the best character in this movie. <laughs> He's a messenger from God. <laughs> he was right. He, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, he had the right idea. <laughs> yeah. They're the So, ultimately, uh, the last thing that happens in this movie is that um, she lets Pamela Voorhees in, who's like, yeah, I used to work with uh, the guy reopening the camp. And then she goes on a spiel, and then she spends 30 minutes tracking down and trying to kill Alice in the worst chase scene I've ever seen put to film. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really funny how hyper-efficient this woman is about dispatching teenagers until she gets to the last one. And then Alice avoids getting killed, really through no effort of her own, because it's not like she's... I I don't know. There's some there's some like horror movies where it's like I'm gonna stand up and fight the villain, right? Uh-huh. Or I'm gonna like try to fight back. But I feel like it's just like her stumbling around and almost getting killed yeah. in a way that I'm just like, this can't have been the same woman that was dismat. It truly felt like a hitman level where you're just like, oh fuck, my my controller started acting up in the end. My Pamela Voorhees character is no longer able to kill teenagers easily. <laughs> I activated turbo mode, which means I can't swing a machete anymore. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, and then Alice decapitates her. Yeah, Alice decapitates her, which that that scene actually kind of ruled. Yeah, you get a great oh good. shit moment from Pam, and then just takes her head off. Uh, and then she gets in a boat and goes out to water, and she's <laughs> just laying there, kind of uh, tranquilly, like, oh boy, this has been a really rough night. It's a really long scene. It's a really long scene. The cops show up and you can, it's silent as they're like kind of calling to her. And she's like, oh good, the cops are here. I've been rescued. And then a zombie eight-year-old jumps out of the water behind her and drags her down. Yeah. And that's what I wanted the whole movie to be. Mm-hmm. And then she wakes up and it was like, was it a dream? Who knows? And also, like, that that whole long scene, they're playing just, like, the most, like, tranquil, like, Twin Peaks, like, ambient music over it, too. Uh uh (laughs) Uh-huh, (laughs) uh-huh. I, like, so, it's interesting to me that you didn't know that was going to happen, because I feel like that's one of the, like, most famous jump scares in in horror. Um, I hadn't seen this movie, but I knew it was going to happen. But I was on edge the whole time I was watching that scene because I was like, I know it's going to happen. Like, I know he's going to come out of the water, but the scene was so long. <laughs> I, uh, I see. I didn't know that. Um, I didn't know that they had the uh, like I did. I Going in, I knew that the twist was there is no Jason Voorhees. It is just his mother. Uh huh. And so I had no context for a zombie eight-year-old is going to leap out of the lake and grab her. Um, and that was great. I, I really enjoyed that. I 
we only see him very briefly. I'm sure if I paused the movie, I'd say that the makeup looks terrible. But like looking at it in that brief shot, it was quick and effective and like the most horrifying shot of the movie. And I loved it. Yeah. yeah and then I it was a dream a, and I was, I was immediately deflated. I could probably find a uh, a screen cap if you want to get a closer look at him. He's moving <laughs> like at a very high velocity, so it's hard to see. <laughs> <laughs> It's just one of those memes of just, like, Photoshop zombie Jason Voorhees into things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess it doesn't look like an eight-year-old now that I'm looking at it in, like, high depth. But, like, th- the person's, like, lithe enough that you're just like, oh, yeah, that is a zombie child. Yeah. That grabbed her, which I think is really effective. Um, And, yeah, that's the end of this movie, which I I really didn't. I don't know. I I knew that the twist, as we said before, I knew that the twist of this movie was there is no Jason Voorhees tracking people down. It is secretly the mom. Yeah. I just always assumed that, like, I, I guess the movie that I had in my head of what Friday the 13th was, was there are kids that are setting up a camp. One night at a campfire, one of them says, like, you know why they shut this place down, right? And tells, like, the story of Jason Voorhees and, like, a kid drowned in the lake, you know, because, you know, a kid drowned in the lake because uh-huh. two of the counselors weren't, uh, you know, weren't paying attention because uh, they were off having sex. So you kids, we better not go have any sex. Ha ha ha. We're horny teens. Ha ha ha. Funny joke. <laughs> two teenagers are just like, oh, you want to go hook up? And they're like, oh, we heard about that story. And they're like, don't worry. Ned's just trying to freak you out. And then they have sex and then they get killed. And then it becomes like, uh oh, we've seen Jason's out here. We're scared of Jason. Turns out it is Jason's mom mad about the fact that her kid has become a, a myth or legend thing. And it wasn't any of that. And I was really surprised by that. It, I guess maybe I'm just looking at it saying like, why isn't this the most generic slasher movie imaginable? But yeah, I think it. I think I think it's something worse, which makes you know this leads into the future film. So I guess you have to build your you know, you build your foundation somewhere. But uh, this is a movie I'm very surprised spawned a franchise. I agree. Yeah, I mean i I think I don't know. I'd be interested to kind of like go and watch some of the middle movies and like see what happens in those. <laughs> I I thought about watching the third one, but I was like, I can't devote my Saturday to watching three (laughs) different Friday the 13th movies to see if I like the problem is I I know that I watched the best one, uh, which is Jason X. And (laughs) I I did hear. So I did read that in the third one, they do the same canoe jump scare, but it's uh, Pamela Voorhees. Yo. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah, I, it is, I, I, maybe this is just me retreading old ground that the Friday the 13th fandom has been, also, I don't, I don't know how you're, I don't know how you develop a fandom around these movies, but that's too harsh, but like, maybe this is just something, but like, so the twist of this movie is that Jason is dead, like, not even a twist, it's just a care, it's just a reveal, it's not, it's only a twist if you know that Friday the 13th becomes a slasher franchise about Jason. Yeah. But the thing about this movie is that Jason has been dead and then there's a jump scare at the end where maybe he's not, which maybe that's a dream. Maybe it's zombie Jason jumping out of a lake. But then the movies go on to spawn where actual Jason does come back as a killer. And if that's the case, then what happened to Jason? 
Uh, is that something that like gets addressed question. in those movies? Because he comes back and he's like an adult. So clearly he didn't die. But also he's like, the thing about him is that he's a fucking regenerating revenant that will track you down and not stop as a large adult man. So why does Pam think he died? That's a good question. If he I wonder had, like, if they ever go into that. I, I, knowing horror movies, there's probably the world's dumbest explanation. I think, if I remember right, they do actively like do voodoo magic and bring him back as a zombie in some movie. Like they specifically yeah. are like, like in, in like four, they're specifically like, there, we have killed Jason for the last time. Well, I, he is actually dead now. And then in five, they're like, let's do some magic and say you're literally a zombie now. So I know that in Jason Takes Manhattan, he is like dead <laughs> at the bottom of the lake again. And he gets like electrocuted back to life because some like cables get cut underwater. Is Jason Takes Manhattan? Are you? That's a joke title, right? No, that's, that's a, a real movie. movie. My wife no, that's had the a same reaction. Movie. No, it's also a Jason movie. The Muppets took Manhattan. <laughs> yes, and I did find out, because Alyssa made me Google this, that Jason Takes Manhattan came after Muppets Takes Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> so at some point, uh, this one's not a Wes Craven joint. Is there a is there an auteur behind this franchise? That's a good question. But at some point, if there is one, they had to look and say, like, so we're doing the Muppet name, right? <laughs> so most of Jason Takes Manhattan actually takes place on the ferry on, like, a boat to New York. Very little of it actually takes place in Manhattan. <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I don't know. This movie, this movie was really weird, and I think that I would have enjoyed it more if i didn't know that there was a friday the 13th franchise that came after it because i did spend the whole movie going like well, i know the thing about this movie but where's how does jason exist then so interestingly uh the wikipedia list of uh of friday the 13th movies each one was directed by a different director and written by a different screenwriter okay so this one so it's not it's not really like a saw situation where like the same the same guys like directed and wrote the first three movies and then like stayed on as creative consultants. Like I think these were all just like kind of a game of telephone happening. Is so is the Friday the thirteenth franchise like uh is it just like executives stitching together movies? Quite possibly. To say like cause I know what is it like is it you know halloween halloween 2 and then like halloween is it halloween 3 season of the witch is that the one that yeah, I'm, yeah 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 where they were just like this one we were hoping wouldn't even have uh-huh uh, My, yeah that's michael the one that, myers like, doesn't in, have michael in it, it I, I i and and it was like quite literally just like we took another script we didn't think it would get big so we slapped halloween on the title so that people would think it's part of the yeah. franchise uh-huh is this whole franchise just like kind of the same thing of like you know, we're MGM or whatever, whatever studio we've got this in our back pocket much in the same way that like those other slashers exist. But I feel like the other slasher franchises had a person at the helm, whether it was Wes Craven or 
um, John Carpenter or yeah. Am I, am I off base on that? No, you're. I I think you're right. I mean, John Carpenter like was off the Halloween franchise for a while and like went and did his own thing, but then he he came back to it, and that's what like the recent trilogy has been. It's okay. like John Carpenter doing those movies again. Yeah, Rob um, Zombie took over in the middle, right? Yes, Robert Zombie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, he did. Um. Okay, so maybe that's just why, like, they're just like, fuck it, we need another another Jason. And they're like, but we killed Jason for real this time. And they're like, well, kill him for realer this time. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't give a shit. <laughs> send him to Manhattan. Let's send him. <laughs> I, I think, let's, let's get into Jason X. Let's send him to space <laughs> and the future. So I did think about also watching the uh, the movie that comes before Jason X, which is Jason Goes to Hell. <laughs> yeah, I I was looking at the titles and I did like Jason Goes to Hell as a title. Cuz they see some stuff in Jason X and I was like, maybe there's necessary context that I need from that time that Jason went to hell. But I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think so. This movie this movie's perfect on its own. I uh <laughs> Oh boy. I I think that what I when we pitched Let's Watch Friday the 13th and then Jason X. Yes. I think I think what we wanted was let's see Jason and then let's see Jason at his most ridiculous. Yes. And so I I think that we probably should have done let's watch uh uh number 3 and then Jason X and see yeah. how it's gone from there. Uh so having less context than normal for Jason going to space <laughs> was incredible to me. Um I found out via Jory that they set this one in space because uh, they had already shot Freddy versus Jason and it was like in production hell and they couldn't, like, they didn't want to do another movie that like would mess with the timeline. So they had to send him to space in the future. Incredible. <laughs> I I love, if you take off the... The Friday the 13th elements. Actually, no. A scene near the end changes. But mostly nothing changes about this movie if it's not Friday the 13th. Yeah. And I think that the the idea for a screenplay being uh, there is a horror movie villain who, by nature, are just like, due to the way that sequels expand and get bigger and badder and weirder, you eventually have a guy that's like basically a super villain. He's almost immune to bullets. He's got hyper regeneration, which is how he can survive all the shit that he has to come back from in in every movie. Um, We captured him as the government and we're going to run tests on him because he could help us with military technologies is an incredible pitch to open a movie with. Yeah. Um, (laughs) One other thing about the production of this movie. (laughs) Oh, I looked me, up while we were watching it. I believe that its American release was delayed by 9-11. <sighs> because, because when we were watching it, Alyssa was like, when did this come out? And I was like, 2001. And she looked at me and was like, when in 2001? <laughs> <laughs> I found out. America um, just wasn't ready to watch Jason become an android. So it came out in Europe. It actually came out in Spain in November 2001. And then it didn't come out until April 2002 in the US. 
I want so badly for there to have been some horror chat community on an IRC server where there was one guy who was like, no, guys, I'm serious. There's a new Friday the 13th movie (laughs) where Jason is in the future in outer space and he gets turned into an android and nobody believes him (laughs) and like bans him from... Ban- banned from the forum for posting spam. Like, just, just the one Friday the 13th fan that lives in Spain. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, this movie opens up. I knew, I knew that Jason X took place in space. Uh-huh. And what I assumed was that, like, I don't know how, but Jason, that rascally scamp, found his way onto, like, a NASA mission and was like picking off the crew of <laughs> Apollo like 28 or whatever uh-huh. or ended up on the like the International Space Station and was doing that kind of deal. <laughs> that would be a great movie actually. That's what I thought I was getting. What I didn't know is that in the opening of this movie Jason gets cryogenically frozen for 500 uh-huh. years and then <laughs> Future explorers from Earth 2 crack open his cryogenic pod and bring him to space thinking like, wow, what a cool find we found is a preserved specimen from 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 Earth 1. Yeah, I, d- I do feel like we need to explain that there is an Earth 2 in this movie. I don't know why we have to explain it. They don't. True. Yeah, all they all say of- is Earth One is dead. We're from Earth Two. You're gonna love it there. Yeah, all of the humans have moved to a different Earth called Earth Two. Yeah. Uh and then <laughs> we get uh in in one of the best sequences I've ever seen in a film. Uh we get we cut between someone doing like cryogenic autopsy work on Jason. Uh-huh cutting between that and a couple having sex and as uh the woman is enjoying sex and as she gets hornier and hornier and enjoys it more and more jason like flinches and recoils and there's too much horny energy in space so jason (laughs) comes back to life because he has to murder everyone because of the sex Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's incredible yeah, the woman Still doing the autopsy. The woman doing the autopsy is also wearing like a tank top. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, everyone's wearing hot future clothes. Yeah. Uh, we get a really cool kill. It was the kills in the first movie were boring. It was just like, oh, there's a person at a camp. Let me kill people with like uh-huh. knives and an axe when I'm feeling festive. In this one, <laughs> he takes the autopsy woman, dunks her head in liquid nitrogen in a really cool shot where her yeah. head freezes and then smashes her head on a countertop. It's great. This this, <laughs> this movie, movie rules. <laughs> I I can imagine if you are a Friday the 13th fan, I can imagine you wanting to see a cool Jason movie and you get this instead and being disappointed. I can yeah. understand that. You're wrong. <laughs> this is the best your horror franchise can be. Yeah. Think <laughs> the whole time Alyssa and I were watching this, we were like, this is like a 
a porn parody of, like, the Friday the 13th movies, except they made it officially with an official budget. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like, this is crazy. I do agree with my wife that the only way it could have been better is if they had gotten the official license to use, like, real Star Trek characters in this. Because it's, like, very clear that that's probably what they were going for. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It does... There's oh, a ahead. character who is just like a horny data. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I this movie is very um it definitely feels like it feels like a parody script yes. that the production company was like, "Well, we we're not going to be able to get this off the ground doing your fake parody of a serial killer thing." Uh-huh. We could make this a Halloween movie though. Or a, a Friday the 13th movie, though. Like, yeah. we could do that. Because, like, there are a couple things that feel like both genre parodies of, like, Starship Troopers-style sci-fi uh-huh. movies. Yeah. But then also slasher stuff. Like, um, I, 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 I think that this is the bit that they're going for. But, like, I feel like in horror movies you get, like, oh, here's the one scene where we get to see some boobs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the boob scene in this movie is like you see a woman with her nipples and then they fall off because it's an android who's just like, wouldn't you like me better if I had these? And the guy's like, I don't know. like, And it's just like, oh, we get one boob scene, but it's a joke in this movie. It yeah. is. Well, and the, the, other, an, the other time we see boobs is when they're making the like holographic campers to distract Jason. Yes, I... I <laughs> I ex- I had to explain that scene to my wife, or I was like, I don't know. They're making fun of the entire franchise in the middle of this movie, yeah, in the most blatant way possible. Which, like, do you want to drink a beer and smoke some pot and then have premarital sex? We love having premarital sex at camp. It's really good. It's the yeah. The movie's great. You get uh, space marines who go to try and take out Jason. You get a couple of one guy gets tossed onto like a giant spike that he then like twists down around because it's like a big spiral pattern. And then someone's like, I found Officer O'Leary. And they're like, what's his condition? And they're like, he's screwed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you get another character who's like, Jason stabs him through a wall. Uh-huh. And then he's like, stabbing me it's gonna take more than that to bring me down so then jason stabs him a second time and he's like yep that'll do it (laughs) yeah (laughs) you get like the the robot character gets upgraded and like knows how to do kung fu and like (laughs) yeah they're like we're gonna put a matrix character into the matrix came out the year before right the matrix came out in the year 2000 yes 1999 they 100% watched the matrix and were just yeah. like great we're gonna put trinity in this film yeah they were like we're gonna give our, our our robot girl like a trench coat and some cool guns and now she can like dodge bullets yeah they they straight up merc jason halfway through this movie and jason lands on the med bay table that they used to resuscitate another person from the past who's she's in this movie i don't know why she doesn't matter yeah um she's the, the final girls in these movies don't matter. I think she's mostly here to, like, give exposition about how they can stop Jason. 
Yeah. Like, that's and kind of her function. She's mostly there to off camera be like, by the way, he hates premarital sex. Yeah. <laughs> I I was I was curious if they were gonna be like when when there's a scene where the android and uh the guy that made her are like clearing out a weapons vault before and she's like i've calculated our odds we got a 14 percent chance of success and then she kisses him and then she says like 50 oh we're up to 56 percent and i i really thought they were gonna do some kind of like we should have sex so it distracts jason so the rest of the crew can survive oh interesting like i i thought that's where they were going with that is that like Jason would show up there and he'd turn to her and be like, I thought you said we're up to a 70% chance. And she's like, not for us, for the mission. And then oh they both die. Instead, we get like, she turns into a killer robot that mercs Jason, in, which is be- much better plot than I thought. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, she gets, uh, they kill Jason and they they kill him on the medbay table which stitches him back together as mm-hmm. Robo Jason. He gets, that a, cool, he gets a cool mask. <laughs> he gets a cool mask. I, I did like uh, earlier in the movie, the, he's looking over like surgical equipment and he gets like a space machete. Uh-huh. He's like, oh, good. Glad this is here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he comes back as like a, as like cyborg Jason. Uh-huh. Um, and he keeps trying to kill them as they're like trying to escape the ship. This movie rules. <laughs> yeah, this movie's just sunshine, except uh, the killer's there the entire time, and it's Jason, and they distract yeah. him with a they distract him with a, a hollow bay full of coeds. <laughs> they were like, "What if we did Alien, but also Jason was there?" <laughs> yeah, Jason was there, and we know that we're not taking this seriously at all. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've got a, a question for you about uh-huh. horror movie design as a whole. Yes. Do you think, I I think that one of the weird shifts that kind of ping pongs back and forth in the horror that I've seen mm-hmm. is who are we rooting for? Yes. I... Are we rooting for people, you know, like people to get away from Jason or are we rooting for Jason to murder people? Yeah. No, I, I agree. Hundred percent. I'm talking like a like a metaphorical Jason. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but like like this movie is rooting for the character. Well, I think it's rooting for Jason almost. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to say in this movie because the characters aren't very well rounded. They're just kind of like guys who exist to be killed. Yeah, and I think that that's often what the distinction is between like movies where you're rooting for like the characters to get away versus movies where you're rooting for the killers is like are these characters well developed or like are they just like guys who exist to be murdered or like guys to ex- who exist to like do some kind of like transgression and then get killed for it mhm like there's there's one uh there's one character in this movie who it's funny. She exists to like roll her eyes and say sarcastic quips. Uh-huh. It she's every character that exists in every movie nowadays. Yeah. But like she's the only one that's her defining trait. And so it's you're kind of like, please take her out so that I don't yeah, have to yeah, sit yeah, through yeah, her exactly. going like, well, that didn't work. Like 
she exists to be that person. And you're just like, please take her out next, because I can't take another one of those shots and scenes. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I feel like this movie is like, it. this movie's just like, we're going to do a bunch of cool shit using Jason as an engine for it. Um, but yeah, I kind of wonder about that in different horror movies, because a lot of the things I've seen are like, um, not parodies necessarily, but like, like the final girls is like, there's a bit of takedown in it, but it's also like, it's also not a horror movie. It's horror adjacent. Yeah. It's like an action movie that takes place in a horror movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it's weird to, I think, I don't know. I'm probably, I know that a big chunk of me coming into horror movies here is me watching them for the first time and getting into horror culture. So I do wonder if I'm just like, I've got a, I've got a real insight here that's like, we've been talking about this for 30 years, Andrew. Welcome, get on board. I, yeah, I think we were talking about this on Dead Teen House Party that we recorded this week. I think, like, also kind of a, a thing that, like, modern day slashers have been doing that maybe the old ones didn't so much is that, like, they have started introducing, like, actual pathos for the killers and, like making you feel something about them and like understand their backstory right off the bat whereas a lot of the older ones were just like here's some guy and he likes to swing a knife around yeah i i feel like you try and give a character like that a backstory and then it i feel like you hit like and you you get into a trap of like well we've made our killer too sympathetic uh-huh like, I, I feel like if your audience is like, well, of course you started killing people, then, like, you've gone a bridge too far. But then also, like, I don't know. I feel like people just wouldn't be satisfied with, like, uh started killing people. Yeah. There's a killer. What do you want me to tell you? <laughs> There's a guy with a knife. Whatever. Yeah, Janie got a gun. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Speaking of, Ghostface has a shotgun now. Did you see that? Uh- yeah i did i'm very excited about it <laughs> i'm really i was so excited for scream six lost to new york <laughs> ghostface takes manhattan we uh we were talking uh after we recorded the most recent dentine house party about how we might all go and see it on the same day and then like immediately come home and record an episode about it like right after <laughs> watching it <laughs> i'm so i'm so excited <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. I feel like well, I feel like also so much in horror nowadays is like um it used to be that you could have a horror movie that was like the Baba Duke's a guy that's going to get you. Yeah. Uh but nowadays to make that horror movie, the Baba Duke has to be a metaphor for like is it postpartum depression? Is that right? Is that what the Baba Duke is? I I guess it's 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 kind of more broad than that. It's really just like the struggles of being a single parent. Sure, okay. I don't like the Babadook. Don't get me started with the Babadook. <laughs> but like, I, I feel like in, in I don't know, there's a, like the idea of like the elevated horror genre, yeah, yeah, if yeah. you will. No, no, I understand. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It feels like you have to make your character be something in a yeah. way that is a little detrimental to the idea of a slasher overall. I like, agree with that. I feel like part of like part of what you want to be scary about a slasher is just like he gets you like he slashes you. Yeah. 
and you kind of lose the ability for that to really hit when he slashes you parentheses he's very sad <laughs> i yeah that that makes sense to me i think that there are ways to do it that are still like interesting and like you feel something about the killer but he's not like too sympathetic uh in a way that like you're you're actively rooting for him instead of like rooting for the the people to get away from him um andrew you should watch the fear street movies (laughs) i tried to watch the first one i got like part way in and i was like this one's just not for me the second one is really good like the first okay the first maybe i'll jump to the second one then the the thing about the first one is that like it's it's a lot of setup for the second one, and I also have. Well, I think th- this is like Emma's theory that I agree with is that they didn't know that they were allowed to make it R, like make it an R-rated series until like they were halfway into shooting the first movie. So, like fifty minutes into the first movie, the like horror and gore ramps up really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I think I jumped off right before then. Yeah, and then, like, uh, from minute one, the second one is, like, an R-rated horror movie, and, like, people are getting killed with an axe. (laughs) Okay. It's good. I like the second one. I... They they do really interesting stuff with, like, making... Like, the, the main guy who is killing people is, like, possessed, and so there's, like, interesting pathos with like you know that he wouldn't ordinarily be doing this but also you don't you aren't sympathizing with him so much that you're like it's good that he's killing people actually (laughs) (laughs) i love it when mr ghostface gets to finally take out these teens yeah exactly (laughs) uh yeah i don't i don't know like modern a lot of modern slasher stuff just doesn't doesn't do a lot for me although i did like uh i did like happy death day i i liked happy death day i watched those uh in october and i liked those a lot those are really good but again those aren't like those aren't horror movies you know they're yeah they're horror comedies there's i feel like so much of the one of the things that someone um i i don't know who i'm quoting here uh but i i know that there was some critic or something that was talking about how you used to be able to do parodies. Yeah. Um, and nowadays you can't because the movies themselves already have the parody jokes in them. Yeah. Um, they were talking specifically about Star Trek, where uh-huh. you used to be able to make Galaxy Quest. Yeah. And nowadays the Star Trek reboots also say the jokes that are in Galaxy Quest <laughs> as they kind of roll their eyes about it. Yeah. Like the you know the starboard bow you're telling me there's tribbles here wink is kind of the vibe and i feel like in kind of that same way it's it's hard to get just like a straight up slasher that doesn't also feel like it's trying to be a throwback or a parody or have something to say about the slasher genre even though everything also everything there is to say about the slasher genre got said when they made scream like true so I, I feel like there's like a weird set of like cultural elements trying to fight back against just making a good one of those. Yeah, I think that I think the slashers that I've kind of enjoyed in the past few years have either been ones that are just like 
genuinely well done without trying to be funny about it and like maybe play a little bit with like genre conventions but are ultimately just like up and down good slasher movies or like ones that are so not great that they kind of loop back around to being excellent <laughs> mm-hmm <laughs> Like I'm, I'm, think, I, I'm thinking about the uh, the new uh, I know what you did last summer series where they leaned really hard into making all of the characters Gen Z, so they're all like TikTokers and shit. <laughs> I feel like I feel like you gotta do that. Yeah, I, I agree. But the the thing that you need, like I I I feel like in the same way that when I watch. Um, Friday the 13th nowadays and I look at the characters and I go I don't know what these characters ages are because I see them in this getup, and my first thought is 30 because I think of people wearing 70s clothes as being old yeah, and having like these haircuts and stuff I feel like I should have that same reaction watching a sl- if I watch a slasher movie in 2050 that like comes out nowadays uh-huh. I feel like I want to feel that same way of like these are clearly, you know, 2020s teens. Yes. At a summer camp. But I feel like nobody knows how to do that. No one knows how to write that in a way that never that doesn't feel like inherently cringy and inherently like I don't know, people try to highlight just like Do you remember um when the Sony emails leaked about uh there were there were emails that leaked about like the amazing Spider-Man and yeah. the emails that, that leaked were like studio execs being like, um, can we have a Spider-Man that apparently kids are into Snapchat and having Snapchat streaks. Could we have Spider-Man use Snapchat? And maybe it's like a thing of honor to be part of Spider-Man's streak or like kids are into Tough Mudder. Spider-Man could do that. God. Right? Like, yeah. there were, like, leaks of stuff like that, and it always feels like people in a boardroom trying to put this uh-huh. together, or, like, I don't know, the velmification of characters, where it's like, we're just going to lean too hard on look how, look how today our teens are. Yeah. Instead of just writing teens that are set today. Yes. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what the problem is. Maybe it's just like legacy writers rooms trying to work with reboots of decades old franchises. But like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like you need that modernity to make something that feels timeless, I which sounds wrong, but like, I think is true. No. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think that's like kind of also the problem with like young adult fiction right now is that so many writers are afraid of like oh by the time i like get my book out all of the like social media references and stuff in it will be old so i have to just like intentionally set it in like 2013 and use old memes that people don't like anymore it's like no you have to like commit very hard to setting it in the present day and like of course it's gonna be old at some point but like that that's kind of the point. <laughs> yeah, like you have to be you're you're just setting yourself up for failure if you're just like we have to cut ourselves off at the pass and like make sure that the thing that we're referencing is like timeless because nothing is timeless. Yeah. And like 
I don't know, but people still read Jane Eyre. Like, yeah, exactly. And 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 you don't look at that and go like, God, they're sending letters. Like, y- you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I feel like you have to be willing to commit. And like, I don't know. I'm not saying that like you should have someone send out their Snapchats of like, uh oh, I'm getting slashed. <laughs> but like. I also think that people are scared to include cell phones in anything that they write because how do you include a cell phone, right? Like, I could just call the cops on Ghostface, right? Like, you know, like there's yeah the ways that we're more connected people. I don't know. I feel like it feels like you have to set up like three stages, three stages of like why this doesn't work instead of just letting it work and then wondering from there where things can lie. In like, because then it, it feels artificial because you're just like, uh oh, we're trapped at a summer uh-huh. camp with no cell service and my phone is dead. <laughs> it's and my AirPods <laughs> don't have location tracking turned on. Like, there's so many things that get set up as like, I can't do this. And it's like, well, if you just let them be, then maybe you just like had to actually solve the problem mm-hmm. instead of putting up a barrier. It's definitely a more. Like, it's definitely a problem that I think becomes more unique to horror movies because you want that element of, like, the characters can't communicate with each other reliably. Uh, I think that the Scream TV show does this really well, though. Like, unironically, because it, from minute one, sets up that uh, their their killer can, like, spoof text messages. So, like, past a certain mm-hmm. point, uh, most of the characters know that, so they know that they can't reliably read texts from each other. And, like, they always push- suspect that it's maybe a trap. I would push back on that, because... Uh, I've seen the show and no, they don't. Uh, the entire time they're just like, uh oh, Brooke texted me. I better go unlock the front door, take off my bulletproof vest, stand there T posing. I think you're. I think you're right, though. I do. I do agree with you, and I think that that's. Yeah. I think that they were at the very least they were kind of on to something about how to. Do, how to like make it set in this very specific moment of 2015 without like mm-hmm. compromising any of the like normal teen behaviors of that period. I do think uh, while they got a little too into the gimmick that they were doing, I also think that there's a bit of that in um, like Unfriended. Oh, yeah. And that new, uh, the, like, I think I'm probably, I, I, someone's going to be mad at me for saying this, but like, I think that Unfriended and Skinamarink and like those, and like, let's all go to the World's Fair. They have a kind of a similar vibe of Skinamarink a little less so because they're dealing more with like analog horror yeah. and that vibe of like VHS tapes, but like existing in the realm of a, a technology and trying to figure out the horror in that tech unfriended and um going to the world's fair are like the way that people are online and the way that people are using technology and like having horror built into that presence yeah i think uh i don't know if you've seen cam but cam does that too i haven't seen it but i know what you're talking about yeah Yeah. and i think that some of those but I, i also think that those are like horror movies that have to lean in 
like you're, you're hyper leaning in yes. to say like, we're doing this about this. Yeah. Uh, and, and I do wonder if there's a middle ground of like, how do you incorporate the internet into your slasher movie? I also wonder that maybe, maybe there's no good answer. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I feel like, I don't know. I feel like there are hard novels that like incorporate the internet very well, but I'm hard pressed to think of, of like a horror movie or series where it feels very like in the moment and kind of like integral to what is going on. Mm-hmm. I what uh what recommendations would you have there? Like what what uses it well? Oh God. Um. <laughs> Sorry, I know I'm putting you on the spot. I'll be like, oh yeah, name a woman. Oh like, God. For a dollar, Marn. I I feel like. I don't know. I feel like a lot of horror authors just like by their nature and by like being able to have a more prolific output have been able to like incorporate modern day stuff more like thoughtfully into their work. I don't know. Okay. I feel like I feel like David Wong does it pretty well. Um Grady Hendrix mm-hmm. I think has some has some interesting stuff in his more recent ones. Um I haven't read a lot of recent Stephen King, but I know that he, like, at least has his characters, like, know what the internet is and, like, Google things. <laughs> <laughs> is is David Wong still publishing under David Wong, or did he, is he publishing oh, under Jason Oh, that's right. I think, he, I think he ditched his pen name for the new John Dies of the End book, which I haven't read, but it's, like, sitting on my shelf and I should read it. <laughs> yeah, I think he's, I think he's f- just Jason Pargan now. I forgot that came out. I need to get that. <laughs> Alyssa got a library copy and uh, it has been sitting on my shelf because I, uh, my inner library loan of another book that I wanted to reread came in and I've been rereading it. Okay. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think. I had an idea that I wanted to say, but I'm blanking now. (laughs) Oh, I feel like uh, part of the problem people run into is just like, they're too afraid of setting something that's too like ingrained in modern tech or like ingrained in cell phones yeah but the problem is that like i'm pretty ingrained in my cell phone yeah oh fuck um like that's just that's just lives now oh god and it it rings hollow when you have characters that aren't yeah sorry i just thought of uh i think it's the twisted ones it's either the twisted ones or the hollow places uh t kingfisher who's a really good horror novelist um it's just ursula vernon under a pen name she writes horror novels um has uh the twisted ones i think is what it is where like the uh the main character does oh no it's the hollow places sorry uh does um like internet research actively on like the stuff that's happening to her uh and i feel like it's worked really well into the narrative and i really liked it a lot i i sorry internet research makes me think we also have like the scp just like entire oeuvre That's of true. work, which is like, like <laughs> your wiki cataloging horror. Like that's where they're using that as a medium. Like that's just modern tech as a whole, you know? That is true. Oh my God. I was just reading um, the, there's like a series of, uh, of stories on the SCP wiki called uh, time after time password or the time after time password, which is, there's an SCP called the one-time password, which is a password that can only exist within one person's brain at a time. And it's just like a 
very long series about like weird applications of that password and like how it's been used within the organization. Huh. It's very cool. <laughs> yeah. See, people make new horror stuff every day, and sometimes it's good. Yeah. Unlike Friday the third no. Um <laughs> We've been on a, a long tangent. I do want to point out that this movie does end with one character tackling Jason in space. Yeah, that rolled! <laughs> riding him down through atmospheric reentry onto Earth 2. That was where awesome. <laughs> their corpses are become a shooting star over a lake where two teens are making out, and they say, Oh boy, a shooting star. Let's go check it out. And the cycle begins anew as Jason is now on Earth 2. In a lake. The, uh, yeah, the part where the character just, like, tackles him in midair made me laugh so hard. I I lost it. It's so good! He just comes out of nowhere. Yeah! (laughs) It also, like, I sat there, I was just, oh, we also didn't talk about, um, when, uh, at, at one point this movie just basically turns into, like, a uh less of a slasher movie more of like a space disaster film yeah um where jason punches a hole in the outside of the ship and it makes a de- it depressurizes the room that starts sucking people out and then a grate covers it and uh the the sarcastic lady uh goes and gets sucked through it and gets turned into string cheese yeah god and i wish they'd shown that because they just like cut to it bloody and i was like oh man I I don't, because something similar happens in the Fear Street movies, and I've had enough of that for one week. <laughs> <laughs> it would have I it would have been bad, but I wish they'd done like none of the gore in these movies are like bad, bad. It's all kind of like campy uh 80s garbage, so I wish they'd just done something with that. Listen, I'm telling you, watch Fear Street, you see on the screen someone go through a bread slicer. <laughs> Oh, I'm good. No, thank you. See, that's the difference. A bread slicer is a thing that exists in real life, um, but uh, a a space a space tube with a grate over it doesn't. I'm never gonna get. If I get pulled out through that, I'll be like, well, that's a cool way to go. I think that happens in Final Destination too. Like a guy gets pulled through a chain link fence and he gets like cubed. <laughs> I'm like 99% sure that's a final destination death. Oh boy. Fence. Well. Yeah, final destination fence death. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can watch Final Destination because I think that the the horror of those is just like, yeah, stuff can go wrong in normal everyday life and kill you out of nowhere. S- and that is not something I need. I have enough of that in my own brain. I don't need that I- in a horror movie. I have never seen the Final Destination movies because I'm a little bit sensitive to like like overly gory deaths um, uh-huh. in in horror movies, which is why I haven't seen some of the later Saw movies. Um, I am nonetheless fascinated by them, and I love to like watch videos about them and like read stuff about them. Um, and it's very interesting to me that the first one was supposed to be very, like, serious, and then they became more and more comedic as the franchise went on. <laughs> and, like, the the deaths kind of evolved from, like, semi-plausible to, like, 
comedic Rube Goldberg machine deaths. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've seen, I watched a YouTube video about the, the franchise and it definitely doesn't seem like it's something for me, but I'm glad that, I'm glad it exists for someone. Yeah. Oh, horror movie franchises are weird. I think that's what we've learned here today. (laughs) I think that's what we've learned. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Well, Maren, thank you for finally making good on our threat to uh, watch more horror movies. You are so welcome. I I am coming around to the genre. I I have opinions on them now. Um, Time will tell if I actually (laughs) seek them out on my own. Uh, I did read the uh, plot synopsis for Mithrigan. Um, and that one seems fine. I need to watch that so bad. I, everyone was like, this movie rules. And I read, I, I just can't imagine it does. So <laughs> I, I really liked Malignant. And I know it's the same team that did Malignant. So I'm very excited. Hell yeah. Well, I think that uh, that's going to do it. So thank you for joining us on this week's, or actually, unless you had any other, uh, anything else to shout out or that you wanted to bring up for the episode? Um, I think that's it. Go read The Hollow Places, which was a book so scary that my wife had to return it to the library without finishing it. <laughs> I'm going to Google it right now. Uh, but until next time, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, I don't know how to end this show. I don't when, remember. Uh, oh, do you want to do, do recommendations? Do you have any? I guess yours is The Hollow Places. Uh, yeah, that. And uh, go listen to Dead Teen House Party when we put our new episodes out. I'm going to drop all three of them on the Patreon at once. So that's coming out in a couple weeks. I'm very excited. I, I miss Dead Teen House Party. Aww. But yeah, uh, I look forward to Dead Teen House Party. You all should too. It's one of the best horror horror things out there. Looking Aww. at like, I, I, you guys are really good at breaking things down. Y'all are fun and funny. And you also, um, you pick things to cover that people don't often consider as part of like, a cultural lens but that do have interesting things to say and i y'all don't just stick to the classics and i like that yeah we gotta we're sticking to the classics here we watched friday the 13th i don't know why yeah i think we promised a while ago that we were gonna watch halloween we still have to do that did we like eight years ago and we never did i think i think that part of the problem we run into is that at the end of every episode we say like uh, when we do the next one, what should we watch? And then we say a thing. And then instead of doing that, every time that we get a charity stream, we say, what movie should we promise to watch? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and so there, there are two different lists of what is the next one of these going to be about. Oh, God. We should watch Malignant. So- like, unironically. <laughs> I think you would enjoy it. <laughs> I'm not going to promise anything here. I am. Uh, I will say my recommendation this week uh, is also my own self-promotion uh, as I am uh, caught up in a different kind of horror. Oh God. Um, I'm, I'm started a new podcast uh, called mild mannered, uh, which is a podcast where I am watching the TLC reality show MILF Manor, which is a uh, reality show where uh, eight MILFs uh, thought they were going on a dating show to meet younger guys and have fun. And it turns out that the eight younger guys that they are going to be dating are their own sons. So I'm watching the show with my mom and uh, (laughs) we're doing a podcast about it. It's a really good podcast. We refuse to sit in uncomfortable silence as uh, 
one of the milfs does a thing with one of the boys where she puts him on her feet and hoists him into the air like an airplane um an activity that you might remember from when you were six god uh that is a little horrifying to see play out in a dating situation oh it's it's a great podcast everybody go listen to it (laughs) yeah it's the show's uh, the podcast is fun i don't think the show is worth watching just listen to me we'll break it down for you yeah I am I am kind of tempted to watch the show along with you though. It is it's not worth it. Okay, I believe you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I it is it is a show that uh uh we're doing a podcast about it and I have I have built into the podcast formula. Uh we can pull a ripcord at any time and stop covering this show if it gets like weird and gross. Yeah, it's already it's already weird. It's already kind of gross, but there's a it, it hasn't hit like a certain kind of grossness uh-huh. that I don't want to be covering. You know? Yeah, no, I I completely I feel you. <laughs> like, and I can see a V. I I can see a um, I can see a VH uh, a, not VH one a TLC reality show hitting the kind of weird grossness uh, much easier than I can something like the bachelor franchise where they at the very least have the sense to keep their weird badness, uh, yeah. behind the scenes yeah. and not put it on camera. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So there's my tentative, uh, recommendation. Check out my podcast about milfs. Um, and until next time, I think that's going to do it for us. So, uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, you can do so. I am at co-host Sherms. I am at corpse survivors. And you can find us together at Argonauts Pod. Uh, otherwise, if you want to support the show, you can do so. We have a Patreon. We also have uh, the Moonshot Patreon that you can support if you want to uh, get those episodes of Dead Teen House Party early and support the network as a whole. Um, we've got a lot of cool stuff coming up in uh, the year of our Lord 2023. And I think that you all will enjoy it. So, uh, yeah, get ready for the new year with us. Yeah. Um, so until next time, I think that's going to do it. So don't have sex at summer camp. <laughs> yep. Don't do it. Yep. Don't do it. <laughs> I didn't do it and I'm still here. So <laughs> you can too. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Oh, God. Hey, Jen. Hey, Jacqueline. What do you think the most significant YA book series like the 2000s to the 2010s is? Oh, definitely The Hunger Games. Uh, no, no, I mean like... Like uh, Twilight, Twilight, that's the best No, part. no, I'm talking about the Percy Jackson series by Riordan. Uh, I've not heard of those. If I wanted to listen to a funny podcast about those, what would you suggest? Well, I would recommend Unwise Girls, which you and I host. This is a podcast where we reread, analyze, and frequently joke about the books of the Rick Riordan-verse. And we see why people call these the best young adult magical series of the 2000s. And we always take time to declare which characters are canonically, factually, not cis-head, because Rick Riordan is not the boss of us. Listen to Unwise Girls every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the Moonshot Network. <laughs>